Welcome to 021 Cast, the podcast where thought leaders in Web3 meet to discuss pertinent topics in the cryptocurrency and NFT world. My name is JPEGtologist and I will be your host for today. So sit back, grab yourself a notepad if you wish, and enjoy. Today, we are joined by a professional Web3 consultant, Mark Herndon. Say hi, Mark. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Mark is the business development manager of Cool Cats, one of the most successful NFT projects on the Ethereum blockchain. He has a background ranging from professional sports, business development, consulting, leading partnerships, and working with some of Web3's favorite projects. Today, he'll be talking about brand, cultural, microtransactions in Web3. But before we begin, tell us about yourself, Mark. What's your background and how did you get into Web3? <laughs> uh, funny story. So basically, um, after my last year of playing uh, pro football, American football, let me make that clear, because I know in Europe, football is uh, what we call here in America, soccer. So yeah. um, after my last year, uh, I came back home and was just kind of looking for something to get into. Mm -hmm. um, and I was on Instagram in 20, I think it was 2021, I was on Instagram and found this guy named NFT Guru and he was running a giveaway for an NFT. Mm -hmm. Never entered a giveaway in my life. So this is, a, it gets even funnier. Never entered a giveaway. I entered the giveaway and I ended up winning the NFT and I didn't know anything about NFTs uh, in 2021. And uh, I win the NFT, he DMs me, he's like, hey, send me your MetaMask wallet. And come on, <laughs> like, if I've never, uh, I didn't even know about NFT, so I didn't even know what MetaMask was either. So he ended oh. up having to show me the, send me the app and then shows me, you know, how to uh, save my seed phrase, all that. He just walks me through, he's a very good guy, walks me through everything and sends me the NFT. Now I'm like, I ask him like, well, what do I do next? He's like, go join their community. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right. And I, I was already familiar with Discord um, from using it back in my trading days and different trading and investing groups. So mm -hmm. I already kind of knew about Discord. And when I hopped in the the, the community, um, I found out that the NFT that he had gave me or that I won was the first entrepreneur NFT. It was probably the perfect, probably the mo like most perfect one to get um, mm -hmm. when you're coming into a new field or a new industry. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to connect and network and rub shoulders with other uh, other entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. CEOs and C-suite level people from huge tech companies because this was when NFTs were booming. So yes. this project was the first entrepreneur NFT. So it attracted a lot of the brightest minds in Web3. Mm -hmm. And I'll even say the, the NFT was Meta Billionaire um, NFT. So yeah. some of you may know about it. It's, it's not as... Um, lively as it was once but it's still pretty much uh, a strong community okay. but um yeah so like from there i just learned a lot um was able to uh make some really good friends got my first actually consultant job um with legion network there from that from that community and just did a lot of good work from them that uh, a, a lot of projects heard about and just kind of rinsed and repeat and um, I don't want to bore you with the whole process, but kind of landed here. One cool thing along that whole thing, though, that I did yeah. was um, if you're familiar with G uh, Gabriel Leiden, he put the first NFT or he he did the first uh, commercial for mm -hmm. NFTs in the Super Bowl last year. So wow. in 2022, which was a year prior to Gabe, a whole year prior to Gabe, me and just a, a couple other friends actually put the first NFT in the Super Bowl. 
Wow. Um, impressive. Yeah. And we, we just did it for fun because uh, in 2022, everybody was like, oh, there's going to be NTs all in the Super Bowl. And we ended up being the only one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we thought there were going to be like thousands of NTs out there because it was like 2022 peak bull market. Everybody's like hot, you know, on cloud nine. And uh, mm-hmm. we ended up being the only one out there and making history. So uh, throughout that, you know, that whole process, like that was one of the really cool things that I got to be a part of. That's such a good story. And congratulations on winning all those years ago. Do you still have that NFT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, <laughs> for Meta Billionaire, uh, I have the original one that he sent me. And then, um, like, because of the the connections and the work that I did for the project, they actually mm-hmm. ended up sending me, like, four more. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've had them staked ever since. Um, like, <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this to whoever's listening. Yeah. If, uh, if you send me an NFT... Um, it's probably never going to get sold. I'm the, I am probably the most diamond handed uh, <laughs> person in the industry. I've never sold anything. So, <laughs> so <yeah. Well> done. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. very impressive. So moving on to cool cats, how did you get that job? Yeah. So for the past, since 2021, after mm-hmm. I finished that Legion, um, I knew I wanted to be a part of a team again. Cause as I said, like backgrounds in professional sports and mm-hmm. had been playing sports since 12 years old. So um, I wanted to, you know, like being a part of a team is very important to me and mm-hmm. consulting as a consultant, um, you're kind of on your own, you know, and it's fun, but you never get to know what's going on on the inside. Yeah. So for me, that took the fun out of it. You know, it, it's fun being able to help a brand, you know, build from zero to one, you know, but it it's even better when you get to be on the inside and mm-hmm. know, like, know what fires are being put out and, you know, uh, just ideating and being a part of the full process instead of making connections, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when I was looking to be a part of another team, um, I thought I would have found that in BAYC. So I was working very closely with Board at Yacht Club, um, mm-hmm. more as a consultant, but wanted to join their team um, full time, but uh, just never really panned out. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. And it's nothing nothing against me you know it wasn't nothing against me you know it was just i they needed a, cer- a certain type of individual mm-hmm. and i was on uh, linkedin actually and i saw a job posting from cool cats like which is very rare on linkedin you don't really see many nft projects uh posting jobs on linkedin and yeah. i applied yeah. for it and um i'm the type of person that like when i want something like i'm gonna do everything in my you know I'm gonna do everything that I can to get it. So yeah. not only did I apply, I knew some people, uh, actually a CEO of Sassy Labs, his name is uh, uh, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. I knew him and he knew some of the guys from Cool Cat. So I hit up Josh. Josh is actually the one that made uh, Made by Apes, if if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. uh, protocol for the board at Yacht Club. So yeah. Josh was friends with uh, some people on the team. So I hit up Josh and I said, hey Josh, I applied for the Cool Cat's position. Um, I think I'm perfect for the job. Could you, you know, just give him a nudge? And he did yeah. that. And because of him, uh, it kind of expedited the process for me. And we got on a call and I got on a call with Klan, uh, the head of operations. Mm-hmm. Klan is the CEO of the company. And yeah. then the head of operations, Ross and Ryan. And honestly, like it went from like an interview to us just like laughing about, mm-hmm. you know, things that are happening. Like it, it felt, it, it felt like we already knew each other. Yeah, that's um, so good. And and I instantly felt, you know, I in my mind I was like, yeah, I like this is where I want to be. 
you know, this is why all those other opportunities fell through because the universe, God was preparing me for this specific opportunity and it couldn't have been more perfect. And honestly, uh, ever since I joined the team, it's been a dream. <laughs> it's okay. literally been a dream. Um, I joined the team right when we uh, were going into the Macy's parade, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. That's so good. So good to hear a good story. Yeah. I'm clearly enjoying it a lot. The transition from being a mercenary to being part of the actual team sounds like that's really what you were made for. Yeah, yeah. Like, like just think about it. In football, if, <laughs> if you only had one person against 11 on the other side, this is not yeah. going to work, yeah. you know, and... I'm used to having that camaraderie. I'm used to having yeah. people around me and, and a group of people working towards a common goal. It's yeah. like, and it's also like, a, I don't know if you go to the gym, but mm -hmm. it's, e it's, it's easy to go to the gym when you know you're going to the gym with three other buddies. Yeah. But how much harder is it for you to consistently stay in the gym That's when it's just you against yourself? You know, it's it's a lot harder. Like, let's just be real. So that's how it, that's how it felt consulting. Yeah. Like, it was, it was, I could do it, but yeah. it just wasn't enjoyable. You know, just like going to the oh. gym by yourself, you can do it, but it's, it's not as enjoyable as going to the gym with friends and working out and all of you seeing games together. Yeah. And, and if that's your job, you want to be really into it and love it and not yes. just do it as a job and say, oh, I'm, I'm alone and I'm not really enjoying this. You really want to enjoy it. And, and from the sound of your voice and from what you've said, you, you are enjoying it. Oh, I'm loving it. I'm Perfect. loving it. Perfect. So let's move on to the topic today, uh, brand cultural microtransactions. Mm -hmm. so, so tell us about what that is. Uh, tell us about what brand cultural microtransactions are. It's, it's a long, long phrase. So <laughs> yeah. break it down yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll break it down. So basically, um, I got this from a guy, Horvath. Uh, he he basically started like some brands. I think he's been doing this for as long as I've been alive. But mm -hmm. he he uh, brought this. He said this term microcultural transactions, and it really like stuck with me because if you're building a character or you're building like a brand, it's probably it's not the quickest way, but it's the most powerful way, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because what it looks like is okay so an example um let's say when walt disney was making mickey mouse mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. <clears throat> and if walt disney you know plastered mickey mouse like to you know get the name out there plastered mickey mouse posters everywhere around uh well one of the biggest parks is in orlando florida around orlando florida mm -hmm. um you know, just in regular spots, people would probably walk right past it and not even know this is in the beginning, not now, because everybody in the world knows who Mickey Mouse is, but in the beginning, like nobody would have paid attention to it. They would have walked right past it. Mm -hmm. Right. But now, instead of Mickey Mouse being, you know, on posters outside of, I don't know, uh, newsstands or whatever. Now, what if you put Mickey Mouse in the newspaper, which back then, Everybody read the newspaper. It was something that everybody did. You, you know, you put little Mickey Mouse comics in there. You know, you're putting it in a spot that's like an emotional attachment to people because the back then newspapers were like super important. And then now let's like bring it to modern day. Um, yeah. If if I'm going to do the same, like taking the same strategy, I want to put my character in places that 
people like have emotional attachments to. So yeah. let's say the Macy's Day Parade. Yeah. Same thing with Blue Cat. We put Blue Cat all around the city of New York in posters. People mm -hmm. will walk right past it. But because Blue Cat was in that parade where people were showing up to, to with their, you know, they were coming with their families, their friends to enjoy it. It was their happy place. It's a, it's an exciting moment. It's almost like a character. It's like the, the Macy's parade is like the Super Bowl of cartoon characters or brands, yeah. Yeah. you know? So it's that one big moment that everybody comes together to enjoy it, there's mm -hmm. so many emotional attachments you know people are coming out to see certain characters we put blue cat in that parade now you go from walking past blue cat you know the posters are all around new york to you see it doing the parade now you see blue cat in a different light you yeah. have now you have like more of an emotional attachment to it and you want to find out more about him and you may actually go look him up and then it now now that is once that once the the fan gets to that pro, like to that step then now it's up to us to kind of funnel them to where we want them to land within our, you know, yeah. ecosystem. But yeah, so like, that's what it could look like. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the Macy's Day Parade. It could be at your favorite concert. You know, it could be at Rolling Loud. It could be at Comic-Con. Yeah. It could be at Complex Con. You know, like we want to show up where people's happy places are, where people, where people are going to enjoy themselves. You know, like yeah. it, it could be your, like a, it could be in Starbucks. You know, people go to Starbucks because they enjoy the coffee, but imagine Blue Cat on one of the, coffee uh on if we put blue cat on the coffee uh containers like people see it every single day and we want to do that over and over and over and over and over and that's how you build uh, a brand through like microcultural transactions perfect and in terms of cool cats have you been able to see an objective increase in the uptake of your brand from these cultural microtransactions yes yes so for we actually just talked about it uh couple days ago on a twitter mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. but <laughs> literally from the parade alone mm -hmm. um we saw a huge spike on our merch store which was odd because we weren't even we weren't even funneling them to to that they would they had to go to two different like layers to get to our merch store so that means that people from the macy's like when people found out about our brand they like really dug into it and then went two layers deep to find our merch store, which we weren't funneling them to. And like the merch store uh, during the parade spiked. And yeah. then when they showed a rerun of the parade for the the uh, the West Coast of the uh, US, when they showed the mm -hmm. rerun, mm -hmm. it spiked again. So it showed that us being there actually helped <laughs> with, I mean, at least with the merch store. and. Uh, just with the overall interaction and engagement with our brand. Mm -hmm. um, it also like right before the parade, we were kind of strategic about it. We, we dropped our pilot episode um, just so when people started looking up the brand, they, they could kind of get familiarized with the characters in blue cat as well. Mm -hmm. So like uh, the, the, um, the pilot episode was watched um, a lot more after the parade as well. Right, yeah. So these are quite objective measures showing that, you know, what you're doing really works. So let's say for project owners out there, you know, I, you know, I have a project, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I really need to get into this. What's your advice to start getting into cultural microtransactions and really putting it at the focus of brand building? I would say the lowest lift is to mm -hmm. find something that is 
within the realm of your brand, it depends on like what your brand is about. Like, yeah, let's let's say you're not a, a character brand, but you're a streetwear brand or, a, you know, a fashion brand mm-hmm. um, like and you're in Atlanta. There's so many different like streetwear fashion things that happen around Atlanta. You want to show up to those events. You know, you want to like you can start small. And those are that that's low list, low, low, low lift, low cost uh, mm-hmm. for you to show up to those types of events. You just got to keep showing up and, um, you know, don't just show up, like put forth your best pieces, you know, at those events yeah. and then create an experience at those events. Don't just, you know have uh, your clothes played out like create an actual experience for people to enjoy and yeah. some of those some of those things don't necessarily cost money yeah but i would say that's the best the best thing that you could do so uh just to give you an example mm-hmm. um how cool cat came to be in blue cat uh yeah. Klan, our ceo he would go to like these art um these art like events yeah. in atlanta when he first started making the character and was, I think he was like selling like art and stickers of the character. That's like a culture. It's just getting people uh, familiarized with the brand, you know, like starting small, it could be selling small toys and knickknacks and things like that. You don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to go to the Macy's parade to start these things. You could start off very small, but if I'm a, if I'm a new brand, um, I would start there. I would just kind of start small, find a, like, know what your niche is and Mm -hmm. try to try to fit within that uh that niche so like you you have to kind of figure out what events and what happenings are going on um around your area or just around wherever you're based Mm -hmm. and show up uh physically i think that's a that's amazing advice um and a lot of people in web3 i think are scared to do things in real life but for them to build a good brand that has to happen. But just following on from there, is there anything that brand creators can do? Let's say they were not in the US and maybe they were in a country that was not so well off, but they had the internet and they were in Web3. Is there anything that people can do from the comfort of their own home to try and help cultural microtransactions? I know it's much harder, but do you have any advice? It's actually not. Um, I think Luca, I think Luca did something like this. So he was like... I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's cell phone cases or something. Yeah. I forget the story, but he was trying to sell. Uh, no, it was a uh, jewelry. He was doing mm-hmm. jewelry. Yeah. So instead of like in th- this very cool story. So instead of um, instead of him, like trying to find rappers or hip hop artists, which would be extremely hard to get in contact with. Mm-hmm. And then not only when you get in contact with them, they probably charge ridiculous amounts of money to yeah. to like advertise your stuff. Uh, I believe Luca, um, he went to the fan pages of Mm -hmm. those hip hop artists Mm -hmm. and the people who run the fan pages are nine times out of 10, just regular people. And they only will probably charge a hundred dollars, sometimes even less to post on their page. And they have like hundreds of thousands of followers that get, and they get really good engagement. So a way that you could do it from home is like, as I said, know your niche Mm -hmm. and you can find content creators or pages, or like if if let's say uh, um, you wanted to work with a specific artist, or you know like like what kind of the route that Luca was taking, instead of going to the artist, like find their fan pages and work with them and get your 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 brand and your or your your uh, product posted yeah. on those pages because that's just as powerful um, and less money as yeah. just working with the the artist or the the brand itself. 
Wow, yeah, that's actually such a good idea. I think most people won't think about that. But, you know, I think when they hear this now, they, you know, they're going to get excited. They're going to want to do that. In terms of spending money for advertising and, and spending money to get this off the ground, that's one of the ways. Is there anything else that, you know, would be more financially more intensive? So, you know, requiring more money to get this off the ground, but that you feel is a good investment? I, I do like um, using influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mm-hmm. could be very costly. Right. Um, but if you're going to use influencer marketing, it has to be very strategic. Yeah. Um, so like the influencer or like the brand has to be very al- aligned with your brand. Um, yeah. And the audiences have to have like some type of crossover, unless you're trying to like reach a new market. Mm-hmm. But the audience has to have to have some type of crossover. But I'm a huge fan of like influencer marketing, uh, using athletes. Um, so like, let's say, hypothetically speaking, if Cool Cats was launching like this dope collab with another a dope merch or apparel collab with another uh, with a streetwear brand or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really wanted to go hard in the marketing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see it on like athletes doing their uh, before their they like a, a NBA star going into the game. You know how they walk through the tunnel. Yeah. Um, like, and you know, it's, it's almost like a fashion show, honestly. Like if you watch, if you watch professional, uh, sports any of these days, a lot of the athletes are just advertising like clothing. Uh, yeah. no, it, you're, it, that's really what's going on. Absolutely. A lot of them are just advertising yeah. clothing oh. and you, you'd be surprised of how powerful it can be. But yeah. so that's when I say I'm a, I'm a fan of influencer marketing in that regard, I, I really am. Um, I do yeah. believe like having that uh, having that within your marketing strategy can mm-hmm. be very powerful. Wow, yeah. So yes, using influencer marketing, but just being very clever about it and you know, really choosing the correct influencer to kind of showcase your brand, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, you have to, you can't just like, okay, for example, if uh, let's say uh, Doodles or let's just say Cool Cats, mm-hmm. us, if we... Uh, wanted to if we're running a campaign or not even a campaign we're trying to really get our uh, pilot episode out there we want more and more people to watch it we're probably not gonna go to somebody like a we're we're not gonna use a person or influencer that is like not into animation or cartoons and things like that so we probably wouldn't use like a michael jordan or something even though michael probably would be a good one just because of how big his audience is but Mm -hmm. like a lot of people that are fans of michael jordan are fans of him because of you know basketball uh and you know like just his his thought leadership and things like that they're not going you know they're not going to his page to see what new animation is out no, mm-hmm. we would probably work with um, somebody like uh, somebody like I don't know Jeff Bloom. Jeff Bloom, mm-hmm. I believe, was the voice actor for uh, Spike Spiegel for uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, we would use cool people like that that are they already have a background in animation. They have a yeah. fan base that listen and watch. You know, listen to them to see what the next cool thing is that is coming out in animation. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be strategic about who you use. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the fan base. So 
NFT projects obviously have communities, and I believe you like to call them fan bases. With regard to these cultural microtransactions, how does that affect or play into the fan base of a Web3 project, a Web3 NFT project? So, like, with a Web3 project, I'll give, I'll give the example for us. For Cool Cats, because we already have this huge community, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and because we want to really dive deep into entertainment, mm-hmm. we're not starting from scratch. We already have, we already have voices out there. We already have fans out there that are more than willing to talk about our brand. And one of the most powerful ways to get your brand out there is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And we we have that. So now look at it this way. I think if you're starting a brand in Web3 and you've already built like a huge community and uh, you want to go into entertain anything, honestly, anything that you want to do, you you already have a community that can blow it up. You just have to keep them involved in it, engaged and happy, right? Yes. So yeah. look at it this way. Now, when we go, when we go take our pilot episode to Netflix or to Hulu or whoever is going to stream it, it's not like we're coming to them with an idea or mm. you know with with just some characters in a an animation. No. Yeah we're coming with them with a community probably well over hundreds of thousands. We already have fans. We are people that are interested in the characters and the story. You know, we already have people that are going to watch it as soon as it drops. And another cool thing about it is one thing that's happening in web three right now is that a lot of people aren't just supporting the projects that they initially invested into. Everybody is kind of wanting to see all of Web3, especially the blue chip projects win. So one cool thing that I saw with the Macy's Parade was that I saw people that didn't even own Cool Cats NFTs supporting us, talking about it, uh, doing Twitter spaces about it, um, having us, you know, inviting us to talk on Twitter spaces about it, you know, and that just goes to show that when a project, a big project in Web3 is like doing something big, you'll probably get the full support of Web3 in a whole, you know, and people that don't even hold your NFTs. So it's like, we've already kind of built a fan base and we're just using that. We're using that, our ecosystem, we're using them to help us reach even more people outside of Web3. Because at the end of the day, if you're a Web3 project, honestly we can't keep like selling to ourselves right we have to we have to we have to break outside of the the crypto bubble and i think that every kind of every blue chip project is kind of in a race to do that and you know like uh i have to you know give give flowers where flowers are due luca um and the pudgy penguins team have done a really good job um and now you know now you're seeing us at cool cats we're starting to break outside of that with our animations. And now it's very well known uh, where we're taking this is into entertainment and on, on the screens uh, of, you know, TV. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're kind of just heavily relying on that, the fan base or the community that we built within web three to help catapult us into the broader market. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. And uh, just going back to what you said, just all the way back to the start of this podcast where you're talking about camaraderie and being in the team. Yeah. You're part of the Cool Cats team, but on a broader sense, you know, in the broader sense, you're actually a part of this big 
Um, yes. isn't it? Of, of yes. 10,000 holders. Oh. No, it's, it's, <laughs> or even it's more. more. It's way yeah. more because we, we have uh, pets. We have explorers. Yeah. I don't know if you if you looked into our explorer uh, system or the avatar system, but mm-hmm. um, in the avatar system, you don't have to be a cool cats holder to to have an avatar. So our avatar system will be used to to bring in people that aren't necessarily crypto native that just yeah. want to be a part of the ecosystem at yeah. a very low cost, a very very low cost. Yeah. Um, so, but when you say yeah, a part of like a huge community, yeah, I actually got to experience that in New York. We did a friendsgiving. Yeah, and I can't tell you. There were there were there were people that flew in from Japan, from China, from Europe yeah. to come and experience the Macy's Parade with us. Like mm-hmm. it, that blew my mind. They they weren't employees of the of the uh, of Cool Cats. They were yeah. holders. They were fans. Um, you know, and that that was like extremely cool to see that people would like. There's so much into the brand. Yeah. And that's the stuff that you want to see. There's so much into the brand that they knew where we were going to be here at the Macy's Parade. They they showed up, you know, they came to support. And that uh, the Friendsgiving event that we did was like packed. It was huge. Yeah. I think um, there are some like videos online on the page and stuff from it. But it was it was amazing. You know, like it, the community is very strong and it's very, very huge. And I was shown a lot of love. Like everybody wanted to get to know me. Everybody, you know, wanted to shake my hand, take pictures with me. Yeah. Um, you you kind of like almost feel like a celebrity when you're a part of like one of the project's teams because the community kind of like puts you on that that pedestal. that pedestal. Yeah, that pedestal, and and you you know you do everything that you you can to not let them down. You know. Of course, you know, uh, so yeah. this is this is definitely what you're made for. Because <laughs> this is a perfect job for you, based on what you like. So, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Do you have any parting words for the Web three community in general? Yes. Um, for anybody that's out there that is just like struggling or um, just you know trying to really break into the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of trying to like go to the top, work at the community level, because Mm -hmm. one thing that I saw when I started early on was I just built with the people beside me. Yeah. And those people ended up becoming, you know, project founders or C-suite level at really big companies. And uh, now I'm able to do a lot more because instead of like me trying to go straight to Yuga or to these big, bigger companies, I built with those guys. And, you know, now they're working at Yuga or working at this and that, and we're doing really cool stuff together. So I would say that you have everything that you need right now in your life. Just Mm -hmm. use the circle or the network that you have around you and build with those guys. I I definitely want to say that because one thing that I've seen in going on now is that a lot of people want to find jobs and want to work in web3 full time but don't really know how to you know tap into it and maybe it's not for you to work for somebody else or one of the companies maybe it's for you to build your own company and build your own protocol or yeah. blockchain or maybe you're the next uh vitalic like you never know so um just just keep at it you know i want to tell you to to not give up and keep at it excellent parting advice so thank you so much mark Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. 
please be sure to follow Mark on X, formerly known as Twitter. His handle is mherden37. That's M-H-E-R-N-D-O-N-3-7. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Zero to One Cast and that it's been useful for you. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out at 021fm.web3 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy your day and we appreciate you for tuning in. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue our enjoyable journey from zero to one. Thank you. 